brand new series um, we're just calling uh, Never Alone. And so you've come at a really, a really good day uh, to be here at Kingwood. How many of you are movie fans? Uh, this, this isn't a trick question, okay? I, uh, let me just say this before I ask you to raise your hand. Some of you are conflicted because you grew up in church back when they used to tell you that if Jesus came back and you were in a movie theater, you get left behind. Anybody, anybody raised that way? Because Jesus can't find you there, right? So, so that's uh, directly the opposite of what I'm going to say today. So let me just say, all movies aren't evil. There are some movies that are evil. All right? Is that good? How many of you like movies now? All right? Well, you have to because Netflix is killing it. I mean, it's not an accident. So it's not all non-Christians watching Netflix. How many of you like Tom Hanks movies? Yeah? Love Tom Hanks movies. Great. Okay. So... Um, I wonder, I wonder how many of you think that you've seen every Tom Hanks movie. Anybody think that you've seen every Tom Hanks movie? Anybody know how many, don't Google it, anybody know how many movies Tom Hanks has made? 85. Yeah, yeah. You're like, when was he, you know, not alive? Uh, like, how long has he lived that he's made 85 movies? So I, I just wanted to uh, do a little poll this morning and see how many of those movies you've seen. How, how many of you have seen um, Forrest Gump? Yeah? Forrest Gump, yeah, we'll go classic, big, big, big one. And for you rom-com people, Sleepless in Seattle. Anybody Sleepless in Seattle? Yeah, 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 yeah. All the ladies seen Sleepless in. <laughs> now, now let's go way, way, way back to 1984 when Tom Hanks fell in love with a mermaid. Anybody remember that movie? Yes, Flash. Yeah. Okay. All right. What about um, Apollo 13? Was that not awesome? That was an awesome movie. Really, really good movie. All right. Couple more. Um, the real life story of the airplane pilot who landed the plane in the river, Sully. Seen Sully? Yeah. That's a, man, you guys, what else do you do? When do you work? You see all these movies. Uh, Captain Phillips, another, another fantastic movie. Yeah, a lot of you, okay. Uh, Toy Story. Does everybody, did everybody know Woody was Tom Hanks' voice? Did everybody know that? Is anybody that didn't know that? You know, wh whichever one, there are four of them. All right, last one. What about Castaway? Yeah, Castaway. You know, when somebody told me about that movie, they said, there's this movie about this guy on a, a shipwreck on an island. He's all alone. And there's a 20-minute stretch of the movie where there's no speaking parts. And I went, I am out. I am never going to see that dumb movie. I don't want to watch somebody in silence walk around and do nothing. And then somebody said, well, you know, Tom Hanks is in it. And I went, ooh, that's a dilemma, you know? So Tom Hanks, so eventually I went to go see the movie. Uh, and it's about a guy, of course, stranded on a deserted island. And he goes through these really intense feelings of loneliness. So much so that he lost his mind or didn't lose his mind. I'm not sure. But he had some, it was a really, really hard time. And he found a friend on the island. Does anybody remember who the friend was? Yes, it was a volleyball. <laughs> Okay, let me, let me show you a picture. Remember this? Remember Wilson? And so, and so he would talk to the volleyball to try to encourage himself. And, and he would talk to the volleyball. You know, that's after the 20 minutes of nothing. That's when he didn't have a friend. Then he found Wilson. Then he talked to Wilson. And so he would talk to the volleyball, Wilson, just to try to have some kind of dialogue because he's so lonely. Now, we all know what loneliness feels like. We've all experienced it. But we don't talk about it. 
And the reason we don't talk about it is because we can't talk about it. Because everybody knows there's no greater people repellent than you rolling up in a group of people and saying, hey, I'm lonely. You will clear the room. Because nobody knows how to fix that. Nobody knows how to resolve that. How are they supposed to solve it? Loneliness is a state of the heart. You can be lonely in a crowd of people, or you can be lonely at home by yourself. You can be lonely when you drive to work. You can be lonely at a family reunion. You can be lonely when you have everything, and you can be lonely when you have nothing. It's often said that leadership is lonely. Because you go, who else really gets this? Suffering is lonely. When you suffer, you're at risk to experience loneliness because you have the feeling that no one else understands what you're going through and therefore you're all by yourself. Conflict is a time of loneliness because it's a time that you're, the conflict, the disagreement has caused you to feel distant from someone that you're supposed to feel close to. And so it's a time of loneliness. When you sin or when someone sins against you, there's shame and maybe you live in this secret private reality where you say no one really knows what I did or no one knows what was done to me and it makes you feel isolated. Or maybe the opposite is true. Maybe everybody knows what you did. And that's lonely too. Because you say, man, here, here I am carrying this all. Nobody knows what it feels like to be me. Success is lonely because you get there to a point of success and it's never as fulfilling as it's supposed to be. And so you have this lonely feeling. Failure is lonely. Transition is a time of loneliness. If you are new, new to a school, new to a group, maybe, maybe some of you are new to this church this morning, and it can be a lonely feeling because you look around at people and you say, it feels like everybody knows everybody but me. Right? And it can feel lonely. It doesn't matter who you are, loneliness attacks all of us, and I bet each one of us, if we had time, could all tell stories of loneliness, but here's what I want you to know, and here's what this series is about. You were never created to be alone. Loneliness is a sorrow that the human heart was never meant to experience, but we all do. And we're calling this series Never Alone because God is always with you, And uh, what we're going to be talking about is the presence of God in this series. So if God is always with you, then why do we sometimes feel alone? Why do we sometimes feel like our prayers hit the ceiling and don't go anywhere? Why do we sometimes struggle to feel God's presence or to see evidence of his work in our life? Well, here's why. When God created Adam and Eve, he put them in the garden to be with him. So I want you to catch this. The first two humans that ever lived were in perfect community with God. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. See, the human heart is most alive in the presence of God. So when Adam and Eve lived in the garden in perfect community with God, their heart was fully alive because they were in the presence of God. 
But we know the story. When they ate the forbidden fruit, they were separated from God. They were thrown out of the garden. Sin and shame and fear entered the world. They ran and hid. And for the first time in human history, the ache of loneliness penetrated the human heart. Loneliness always causes us to make bad choices. It caused Adam and Eve to make bad choices. Loneliness caused them to run and hide and try to make clothes out of plants. Now that just doesn't seem like a good idea. Didn't they know there was a Walmart close by? They're trying to make clothes out of plants and they begin to try to live a life of self-righteousness. Well, the same thing happened to David. He was sitting on his rooftop alone when kings are supposed to go out to war. He's lonely. He sees another man's wife. He sleeps with her. She gets pregnant. He kills her, her, her husband. We make bad decisions when we're lonely. Elijah is sitting under a tree after an incredible victory, and he's so convinced that he's the only one left in the whole country that serves God, he asks God to take his own life. Why? Loneliness causes us to make bad choices. What bad choices do you make when you're lonely? What is your, what is your tendency? What is your bent? We try to numb our, our loneliness with things that actually only increase it. Pornography and substance abuse, workaholism, busyness, travel, hobbies, entertainment, education, eating, video games, social media, codependent relationships. We've all seen rebound relationships, and it always makes things worse. They distract us for a while, but in the end, we're worse off than we were at the beginning. Ultimately, we're playing this kind of big hide-and-seek game with God. Now, watch this. But we think we're the ones who's seeking If we just live right enough, if the planets line up, if we suffer enough, if we're good enough, if we're humble enough, if we're spiritual enough, then God will show up and maybe we'll just get a little glimpse of him. But we forget that we are the ones who are hiding and he is the one who's seeking. When Adam and Eve sinned, they immediately ran and hid. And this was the first game in world history you thought you made up hide and seek. Uh Uh-uh. Adam and Eve made up hide and seek. Then what happens? God comes looking for him. He says, Adam, where are you? When Moses killed an Egyptian soldier, he runs away and hides in the desert for years. And then God shows up in a burning bush and he says, Moses, where are you? When David commits adultery with Bathsheba and he has her husband killed, he goes and hides in the palace. By the way, our hiding places become more elaborate across time. But we still have, you can hide in a palace. But God shows up in Nathan the prophet and he says, David, where are you? Where are you? How about you? Where are you hiding? God is walking through your life And he's asking, where are you? And here's the truth. Here's the truth. God wants to be with us more than we want to be with him. That's the truth. So Genesis 28, this is the story of Jacob. Now Jacob's not a good guy. He's a cheater, a liar, a thief, a deceiver. He cheated his twin brother Esau out of his birthright. 
Jacob was a twin. He was second born. Therefore, he would not receive the family blessing of the firstborn that his father would give to his older brother. Um, but his father was sick. He was old. He was blind. He was going to die soon. He wanted to give his blessing to his oldest son. Jacob knew that. Jacob's older brother Esau, can we just talk hygiene for a minute? He was hairy, and Jacob was smooth. <laughs> and Jacob knew that, and he wanted to trick his dad into getting, so he had to pretend like he was his older brother Esau. So he actually took goat skin and put it on his arm, so when his dad would come and fill his arm, he would fill hair. Now, can I just tell you, when you become desperate enough and deceitful enough, you're taping goat skin to your body. There's something, there's something wrong with you. But his father falls for it. He gives him his brother's blessing. Esau finds out about it, and he is on fire angry, and he is coming to kill Jacob. And Jacob knows it, and Jacob is on the run. That's where we pick him up, Genesis 28.10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you, pay attention to that, he's the God of Abraham and he's the God of Isaac. He's not the God of Jacob yet. Just pay attention to that. I, the Lord, uh, uh, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are live, lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I'll bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised. Look at verse 16. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, here's the thought. He thought... Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. Underline that. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So we learn four things about God's presence from this part of Jacob's life. Here's number one. God is with us because he is good, not because we are good. See, Jacob is sinful, he's lonely, he's on the run, he's hiding out, he's not interested in God, let alone thinking about God, and one day God just shows up and interrupts his life with his presence, and God reveals himself to Jacob, and Jacob utters some of the most profound words ever written, surely God was in this place, and I was not aware of it. In that moment, he has an awakening and everything begins to change. Isn't this really the story of our own life? We're broken people with a messed up past, not really sure what we're, where we're going, not really sure what we're doing, just kind of mo moving through life, go to work, eat dinner, keep our commitment with our family, do our thing, come to church. But in the midst of it, God is showing up in our lives with his presence, trying to get our attention. Surely God is in your marriage. Were you aware of it? 
Surely God has been in your job. Are you aware of it? Surely God has been in your school or in your pain or in your loneliness or in your circumstance, and you are not aware of it. And we sometimes believe that we have to work to get God to do something. We have to be good. We have to get, get him to give us a breakthrough somehow. We have to follow the rules, come to church, avoid sinful things, and God will work in our life. But look, the truth is God is close to you because he is good. Not because you and I are good. So the question is not, is God with me? The question is, am I aware of his presence? Most of us struggle to know what to do with God's presence. It's, it's more than an intellectual exercise. To, to just say God is with me is an intellectual thing. But to know that he's with you because he is a person to be experienced. That is another reality. So how do we experience God's presence? Number two, we experience God's presence when we are aware of his presence. So Jacob said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. There's many, there are many ways we can experience God's presence. And I, I just want to list them for you quickly this morning. God's presence Colossians 1.17 says, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. God's presence holds everything together. If God took His presence away from us, the world would stop rotating on its axis correctly. The ocean would stop moving with the tide correctly. The stars would, would fling out of shape. Everything would go into absolute chaos if God took his presence away because his presence holds things together. If God withdrew his presence, our lives would fall apart. When your life seems to be falling apart, are you aware that God holds you together? Are you aware? Here's another way. Psalm 139.7, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? His presence surrounds us. You are surrounded today by the presence of God. He is above you and below you and before you and behind you. Are you aware that every step you take, God has taken that step just before you did? He's there before you're there. So no matter where you go, are you aware that God is with you? He also, the Bible says, his presence is in us. John 14, 16 and 17. Look at the last line of 17. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. The moment you became a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit moved inside your life. So wherever you go, there he is because he's inside you. So the Bible says the same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead brought you back to life from your old life and made you a new creation and his presence moved into your heart. See, God doesn't live in buildings or temples. He lives in people. Let me say it like this. Catch this. God doesn't live in heaven. Heaven lives in God. How about that? We think about, well, God's somewhere up there in heaven. No, he's not. Heaven's somewhere up there in God. So if heaven lives in God, where does God live? In you. God lives in you. 
That's what the Bible says. Are you aware that God lives in you? His presence also is in godly relationships. Matthew 18, 20, where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. So when you meet with other believers, God is present in a way that he is not present when you are by yourself. That is why we gather together once a week to worship. Man, as we lifted our hands and sang that song a few minutes ago, God was somehow present with us that he's not present when we're just by ourselves. That's why we need life groups, because God is present in those conversations. Without them, you and I miss out on a facet of God's presence. That's why at Kingwood we always say, life is better together. Why? Because when you're gathered together with believers, God is present. Are you aware that when you gather together with other believers to focus on Jesus, the Bible says that God's presence is there? Here's here's the last way. His presence is tangible in our worship. Psalm 22, 3. Yet you are holy, O you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. When you sing and lift your eyes up on Jesus, God sits on his throne and he brings the kingdom of God with him and his rule and his reign is present and he shows up to bring his presence to your circumstances. Are you aware that when you worship, God is present? So the question is not, is God with me? I just gave you five ways. He's in you, around you, above you. He's in fellowship with other believers. He's in worship. The question is, are you aware of it? And that's the whole goal of this series is to try to, it's to, try to demystify the presence of God, so that we realize this ongoing relationship with Jesus and his presence we can have on a daily basis. We don't have to wait for an event. We don't have to wait for a church service. We don't have to wait for a moment. We don't have to wait for a breakthrough. You already had a breakthrough. When Jesus died and came back from the dead, that's the breakthrough. You've had the breakthrough. What you have to do is live in awareness that the breakthrough's already happened. So let me, give you a, let me give you a simple prayer, okay? I just want to give you a simple prayer. And, and, I, and I hope during this series it'll, it'll be a prayer that'll just capture your heart and become part of your own relationship with God. Lord, help me to be aware that you're with me. Would, would you just, would you pray that with me this morning? Lord, help me to be aware that you're with me. Come on, one more time, everybody. Lord, help me to be aware that you're with me. That prayer can change your life. Number three, we can become so focused on what's in front of us that we miss God all around us. See, Jacob was running for his life trying to escape the terrible life that he had lived. And he was so focused on what was in front of him that he missed God all around him. Anybody ever have that experience? 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. We need to change our perspective to be more aware of the eternal God that's all around us than the temporary things that's right in front of us. I I, I have these... um, 
I have these severe um, blind spots of, of dumb unawareness. Any, anybody have those? Like I can almost trip on something and not see it and go, how did that get there? So when, when we lived in Mississippi, our family used to take a lot of family walks. And, and we, you know, we'd walk through the neighborhood and walk. And we lived in this one house about three years. And we, and we were walking. I think one of the kids was smaller, maybe pushing a stroller. And we were walking, you know. And uh, I looked up, and there's this house. And I said, look at that house. Do you believe that? I said, I, they must have just built that. I th- wasn't that an empty lot right there? And Stacy looked at me and said, Really? Really? I mean, it's just, I could tell by the question. You know, I didn't want the answer. Really? I said, what do you, what do you mean? Are you kidding me right now? I said, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? She said, that house was here the day we moved in. I said, it, it's just around the corner. There's no way. I take this road to work every day. There's no way this house is. She said, look at it. Does it look new? I said, well, no, it doesn't look new. You think they built an old house there? How do, how do you think that happened? I don't know. She goes, really? She just stared at me like, really? And I thought, Lord, you know, I guess it's been there for three years. And I've never seen that. I've been talking about like eight houses for our house. How could I never see this house? And, and here's the thing. Every time I passed by that house, I was so focused on something else, I just went blistering by in the car. My mind was filled with so many things. And it wasn't until I slowed down and began to look around me that I noticed that house. And that's a good picture of how we live sometimes. We're so focused on what's right in front of us that we miss God who's all around us. And then we say, where's God? And the fear, the doubt, the worry, the unresolved problems, the brokenness, the conflict, the relational tension. We're so focused on what's in front of us that we're not seeing that God is all around us and in us and above us and below us and behind us and in front of us. How about you? What are you so focused on that you miss him all around you? I'm convinced the most ignored person in the entire world is the Holy Spirit. Our unawareness of his presence leaves us with fear and insecurity and discouragement and hopelessness and loneliness. And my prayer is is that we would become so aware of God's presence and so hungry for God's presence that we would live presence-based lives and be a presence-based church. Let me tell you what faith is. Faith is the belief that God is with me even when I can't feel him or see him at work. That's what faith is. So here's the last thought, number four. If Jesus lives in your heart, you will never be alone. You will never be alone. After Jacob became aware that God was with him, we can see this incredible change. Remember, he sees the vision of these angels going up and down the ladder, and he says, surely God was here, and I wasn't aware of it. But look what happens the next morning. Genesis 28, 18. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head. That's a terrible pillow, by the way. And poured oil on top of it. He called the place Bethel, which means house of God though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat, clothes to wear, so that I'll return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God, and this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house, and all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. 
Now, I want to show you something. What a dramatic transformation that happened. Jacob, this lying, deceitful, selfish thief, he has a moment where he becomes aware that God's with him, and he becomes humble, and he builds an altar and anoints it with oil and worships, and then he becomes generous. He worships, and he starts tithing. You know a person's had an encounter with God when they start tithing. How do you go from self-centered to God-centered? How do you move from greedy to generous? You become aware that God is with you and everything in your life changes. And after that, God is glad to be known as the God of Abraham, of Isaac, come on, and of Jacob. And that's when that changed. When Jacob became aware that God was with him, then God was the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. The presence of God is the greatest change agent on earth. And that's why we say at Kingwood, God's presence changes lives. Would would you say it with me like this this morning? I'm going to share with you. God's presence changes my life. Would you say that? God's presence changes my life. Absolutely does. So if God is here, if God is present, if God is with you, then everything that you need is present. Right? So let me leave you with this thought. Loneliness is your invitation to become aware that God is with you. Loneliness is your invitation to become aware that God is with you. So when you feel lonely, when you feel isolated, when you sin, when you're new, whatever whatever the thing is, when you're in conflict, when you're up, when you're down, when you have that brush that season, that time of loneliness. It's God's invitation to let you know that He's with you. When I was just out of high school, I worked at a hospital in Memphis, a very large hospital. It had uh, miles and miles and miles of hallways, and my job was to walk the hallways and transport patients. And I went from going to the same school from first grade to 12th grade, so I had all, all these friends. I graduated, and all that changed. I went into a department with 400 people, and I was one of four white people inside the whole department. So I had never had such an extended minority experience, and that was new for me. And so it, 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 was, it, it was new. I didn't know exactly how, to, how, how people would react to me. Would I be accepted? What would happen? I didn't know. So I was out of high school, lost all my high school friends working a job, I'd never worked that job before, working in a big hospital, moving uh, patients around from one place to another, and it was a time of extraordinary loneliness. I would, I would park my car four blocks away and walk the city streets. Just the whole thing was new. The whole thing was uh, un- uncomfortable for me. And as I got out of my car and I, and I began to try to define what is it that I feel? What is it that I feel? What is this weirdness? What is this isolation? What is this? And and although I might not have had the right word at the time, I understood it was loneliness. 
And in that moment, somehow God in His mercy helped me to understand, yes, but you're not alone, I'm here. And can I tell you, every day when I would drive to work and I would walk four blocks through the city, I would pray. And I would ride elevators up to the 19th floor and back down alone, and I would pray. And can I tell you, one of the places that I, one of the two places that I learned how to pray, one was uh, at the chapel when I was in college, the other one was in the hospital in Memphis when I spent most of my, the hours of my day alone, and I felt intense feelings of loneliness. Somehow or another, God was able to help me to see, this is my invitation to you to come and know me. And that's how I began to know God. And, and here's what I want to tell you. Here's the good news. It set a foundation for my life. And God is not far away from you. He's close to you. He's closer to you than you think. And He's here this morning. And He's present. And He's present in every moment, in every time, in every season, no matter what you feel. And so God, God wants you to live in a growing awareness of his presence when bad things happen he's present when good things happen he's present and your life will change when you when you become aware that he's present surely God was in this place but I didn't I wasn't aware of it would you stand with me this morning if you just Close your eyes for a moment. Open your heart. I want to ask our prayer team if you've come. I'm so excited about what, what the Holy Spirit is saying to us in this series. Because this, this truth has the ability to change our lives. I said this morning, if God lives in your heart, you'll never be alone. I have a question for you. With every eye closed no one looking around does God live in your heart what I mean by that is do you do you know for a fact that God lives in your heart do you would you say this morning that you have a real relationship with Jesus it's real it's not religion it's not put on it's not tradition it's not history. It's not I was raised a Christian. It's not my grandma was a Christian. It's not my uncle's a pastor. It's none of that. It's not I went to a Christian school. It's I have a real relationship with Jesus. Today, if you're not sure about that, can I just tell you that's the first step? And with every eye closed, if you say today... I want to know when I leave this place that I have a real... I'm not asking you if you're a good person. I'm not asking you if you're a bad person. I'm asking you one simple question. Do you know for a fact that you have a real relationship with Jesus? And with every eye closed, if you say today, today, I don't know for sure, and I want to start a real relationship with Jesus. Would you just, with every eye closed, would you just lift your hand so I can see it? Today, we just want to pray for you. We want to we change that. We want, you to, we want you to meet God today and know when you leave that you have confidence that 
God lives inside you. Just lift your hand and let me see it today. Just lift your hand up so I can see it. We want to pray with you today. Wait just a minute. People are making decisions. These are important. If I'm, if I'm honest, I don't really know. But I want to know. God's talking. Maybe you have a feeling inside your heart. Something needs to change. Something's missing. Just lift your hand. Let us pray for you. Today, if you if you need prayer, because you you know you need the presence of God in your life, you know you need a growing awareness. You know you have a circumstance, you have a, a problem, you have a something needs to shift inside your life. You know you need you need God to help you today to see His presence all around you. You're in circumstances that are may be difficult or overwhelming and you say God today I need your help God I need your help I need your help today God I need your help would you just lift your hand and say today I need God's help I know I do I know I do I have this circumstance I have this relationship I have this issue I have this fear I have this anxiety I have this doubt I have this worry I have this thing that I'm carrying. I have this sickness in my body. I have this uh, decision I have to make, and I don't know what to do. Would you just lift your hand today and say, I need, I need God's presence. I need to know that God's presence is with me today. Yeah, 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 I see your hand. I want to begin to pray, and as I begin to pray today, if you need prayer, I want you to come and find one of our prayer team members right here. You can go ahead and, and look at them, and when you see see someone you know or someone you want to go and pray with, you just come and let them pray with you. But as I begin to pray now, I, I want you to go ahead and leave your seat and come and let, let our team minister to you and let the Holy Spirit meet you here. Holy Spirit, I pray today that you would draw every person that needs to meet your presence. God, I pray that you would interrupt us and I pray that you would interrupt our lives with you. And I pray you would give us the courage to take our eyes this morning off the doubt and off the fear and off the things that are around us. And Lord, to take a step of faith and put our eyes on you. And like Jacob, to meet you fresh in your presence this morning. As the worship team begins to sing, if you need prayer, I want you to come now. Let's meet the presence of God today. Lord, help us be aware that you are in this place.
this before we leave this morning. Lord, help me to be aware that you are with me. I, I encourage you to take that prayer with you. God bless you. It's good to see you today. Have a great day.